I'm so sick of this crap. Why can't they just figure it out? Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. We were working with Scott. He was the CEO of an engineering firm that had produced communications hardware for industries around the globe. And he'd done good work. He'd worked hard with his board and his senior leadership team, and they had settled on a strategic MIT, that's the most important thing, for the next 18 months. And they had, they were needing to launch a new product to remain competitive in their marketplace. He'd held a launch meeting where he made the goal painfully clear to everyone in the room. We've got to get this new product to market by this deadline, or we will be out of business in five years. So he was totally clear. But within six weeks, he was exasperated, so frustrated, his people were at war with each other. Several of his senior vice presidents were about to quit, and the do-or-die deadline was looking like a dream. And we see this frequently. Leaders lay out a very clear MIT. They check for understanding. They turn their people loose to get after it. But before too long... Customer service and sales are at each other's throats. Engineering and marketing are having shouting matches in the halls while finance and human resources won't talk to each other. I've watched so many executives get frustrated and shout, why can't you guys just figure this out? Solve the problem. Maybe you're a frontline leader and you've worked hard to establish a clear shared team vision and the MIT initiative for this quarter, but your team still ends up squabbling. When your team can't unify in pursuit of a common, clearly established goal, the problem's usually that you've only established half of the clarity that you need. The end goal, very clear. Got to get this product to market. You've clarified results, but in Scott's case, what he hadn't clarified was relationships. So in Winning Well, we talk all the time about the combination, the land and the and of results and relationships. And this is a place that a lot of leaders neglect and it causes problems. So Scott, and it's very common, he had made the new product a priority, but was still evaluating individual departments based on other criteria. For instance, customer service was evaluated on their ability to retain customers, but at the same time, engineering was all but ignoring response to existing customer requests in favor of getting the new product to market. So customer service naturally saw all those stubborn engineers as a threat to their bonuses and maybe even their jobs. Customer service was continually requesting that sales lend some of their people to try to save existing accounts. The salespeople were being assessed on quotas that weren't related at all to the new product's launch. So in short, everyone was doing what made the most sense for their individual success but they were frustrated that their colleagues wouldn't cooperate. The end result was clear, but the relationships between departments, between teams, weren't clear at all. So when his people came to him and asked whether the engineering prioritization of the new product over customer retention was okay, he'd get frustrated. Why can't they just figure it out? The answer was because he had given them conflicting goals. Is there a place where you're giving your team conflicting goals 
and they could use more clarity in what matters most and which priorities should take precedence over others? Or do you need to have a conversation, a how-can-we conversation about how can we achieve both of these seemingly opposite priorities? One of the definitions of a team is that a real team succeeds or fails together. So there's a clear shared goal and there's everyone has a clear role to help in achieving it. So as a leader, your job is to establish clarity of results and relationships. Clarity of results are often easier to define. What's the MIT? What's the most important thing we've got to accomplish this year? What are our three most important strategic MIT initiatives? What's the MIT behavior we need to see at the executive, manager, and frontline levels? Those can take some work and some conversation, but they're relatively straightforward. Clarity of relationships, though, requires you to address some additional questions. How are roles and handoffs defined and communicated? How do department or individual team member priorities align with the overall initiative? What are the most important values, systems, and processes guiding everyone's behavior? And what do you do when those priorities or those values come into conflict with each other? In Scott's case, this meant that we had to ask and answer some tough questions. Would customer retention goals be lowered or continue at their previous levels? Either way, how could those be achieved in ways that aligned with the timely delivery of the new product? How much attention should engineering give to resolving those existing customer issues? And how would performance bonuses be aligned with the new product launch? Those are the kinds of questions that might frustrate you if you are a visionary leader or you're just wanting to get things done. But those are the critical questions that help your team to operate effectively. So if you're not great at answering them, that's okay. Get somebody on the team. Get the whole team together and answer those questions. Work through them together. You don't really know what your MIT is. You don't really know what success looks like until you've worked through how your different goals interact, what your values mean when they come into conflict with one another, or how you can achieve both of them together. Helping your team get the clarity about results and relationships will make all the difference in their performance. And now it's time to answer a question. I would love to answer your question, anything regarding leadership, management, any topic that we've covered in a previous episode like today's question that involves what to do when you have that problem-solving, that critical thinking conversation, but it doesn't go as well as you might have hoped. To send in your question, you can do it one of two ways. You can email me, david.dye, at letsgrowleaders.com, or you can go to leadershipwithoutlosingyoursoul.com, and you'll see a big orange button. You can click that button, and you can record your message Leave your name and your question, and we'd love to use that in a future episode. Today's question comes from Maria. Maria writes, David, I've been trying to use the 9 what's coaching method that you shared, and it works pretty well, but I have a problem. What should I do when the person I'm talking with just sits there and says, mm, no? Maria, thanks for the question. And just to bring everybody up, if you didn't catch the last episode, that episode was about how to develop your team's 
problem solving and critical thinking. And so there's a series of questions you ask, nine what's. What's your goal? What have you tried? What happened when you tried that? What did you learn from that? What else can you do? What would happen if you do those things? If you get an I don't know, you go to what might you do if you did know? All of which leads to the exploration of consequences. What do you think would happen if you tried that option or that option? And then they choose their outcome. So Maria's question is basically you're going through that process and they just sit there. You just get a blank stare. And I'm going to broaden this out because this is an important concept to not stay stuck, to help your people grow and develop or to move along. And that's okay too. That's also a valid outcome. So if you're having a conversation with somebody and this is a core part of their job, they ought to be able to figure these things out, but they're struggling. They're not able to. Often you're going to stop the conversation and talk about what's going on. Going back to the Inspire method from an earlier episode, and you can search and find that and check that out. But the Inspire method is a way to have a, an accountability or performance conversation in a way that is both relational and achieves the results. So let's say that like Maria's situation, you've got somebody who's just sitting there. You might even start by saying, hey, I noticed that you're not saying anything. And I'm curious, you came to me with this problem and, and you're struggling with this. And it doesn't seem to me, based on what I'm seeing, that you're particularly engaged in the solution. I'm curious what's going on here. So you made a notice statement. I noticed that you're not saying much. Then you shared your interpretation of that. It seems to me that you're not particularly engaged in this. But then you probed and said, what's going on? Building the relationship, allowing them to talk. Now, if they just sit there again, you've got a different problem. You've got somebody who's very unengaged or doesn't feel safe, or there is something significant going on. And you might look for, you know, if there are ways that they have been treated poorly in the past or have a reason to not feel safe, that's one thing. But in most situations, if it's been anywhere near reasonable, somebody, even if they're frustrated, is going to say, listen, I don't feel this, or they're going to share their frustration. They're going to share why they're not talking or saying anything. Or if they, you know, have a, a significant depression or something like that going on, you know, you might be able to refer them to an EAP type of a, a situation. But the for most people, just calling attention to the baby, hey, listen, I noticed that you're not saying much here. I'm curious what's going on. Gives them an invitation, alerts them to their own behavior, that you're noticing it, you're calling it out, you're not just going to let it go. They're not just going to get to escape the conversation. And then from there... You know, when you're having these conversations to help somebody build their critical thinking and problem solving skills, if they don't want to, what you often need to do is underscore the fact that this is part of what success looks like. Listen, for this role, for your job to succeed in this job, you're going to need to be able to figure these sorts of things out on your own. And so I want to help you get there. That's my job. I want to help you get there. So that's why we go through these questions together with the goal that eventually you can ask yourself these questions and you can figure it out. And I believe you can do that. Do you have any questions about the process, about what we're trying to get to? Is there anything that you feel is um, particularly challenging or getting in the way of being able to figure these things out? So what you're doing is you're reinforcing what success looks like. You're making sure the expectations are clear. Um, you can ask at that point, you know, do you have any expectations of me? How can I help? 
How can I help you to be more successful in solving this on your own? But ultimately, you do need to solve it on your own. So let's go through those questions together. So Maria, in short, the answer to your question, if you've, you're running somebody through those critical thinking developmental questions and they just react with silence or a shrug, is to call attention to the behavior. Hey, I noticed that you're not saying much. I noticed that when I've asked what you tried or what you think you can try, then you just shrug. I'm curious what's going on. What's happening for you? How are you feeling about this? How can we help you get to the point where you can do this on your own? When you ask those questions, you call attention to the behavior, you let them know it's not going to work. They're not doing it because they want to be a pain. They're doing it because that technique has worked to keep people off their back or keep them safe at some point in their life. And they're doing it again. Now you're helping them to grow, realize that's not going to work, and to help them find a better strategy. So Maria, thanks again for the question, and I will look forward to answering your question in a future episode. Until then, remember that when your team won't collaborate, it's often because there is a lack of clarity about relationships, competing goals. Everybody's not on the same page. And one of the most important things you can do as a leader is to give your team the clarity, not only of results, but also of relationships. And if you can't do it yourself, work with your team to get there together. Until next time, be the leader you'd want your boss to be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.